Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, no doubt you've heard the ad at the end that begins, Hey friends, I want to tell you about Shadowbox Studio. That's because half of the episodes for Artist Soapbox have been recorded at Shadowbox Studio in Durham, North Carolina. We also recorded our first audio drama, Master Builder, there. Shadowbox Studio is mostly used as a photo and video shooting space. However, inside this small gem, I've personally attended an improv performance, two indie film screenings, been on a film shoot and theater rehearsal, and led a workshop. And those are just a few of the many ways in which Shadowbox is used. In this episode, I'm thrilled to be talking with the proprietors of Shadowbox Studio, Jim Haverkamp and Alex Manus. In this episode, a large part of our conversation is about space. Physical space for artists to make and present their art. Many, I'm going to say most, indie artists are yearning for a place to call their creative home, even if it's just a few hours. Space that is accessible, affordable, presentable, with climate control, a bathroom, and somewhere to park the car. We want a space to put our gear down, a space to create and show our art that fits within our financial reality. Sounds like heaven, right? Jim and Alex talk about the evolution of Shadowbox Studio as a space and a business, and we chew on the decline of accessible space for artists in Durham over the last two decades and how we might adjust. It won't take long for you to get a sense of how lovely these two are to work with. Jim Haverkamp is a filmmaker and editor living in Durham, North Carolina. His short fiction and documentary films have screened around the world, including the London Underground Film Festival, Ann Arbor Film Festival, the American Dance Festival, and the Chicago Underground Film Festival. He has toured on the Southern Circuit of Independent Film, served as a juror for the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival, and was co-organizer of the Strange Beauty Film Festival. Jim also teaches for Duke University's Center for Documentary Studies and the Program in the Arts of the Moving Image. He is co-proprietor of Shadowbox Studio in Durham. Alex Manis is a photographer, filmmaker, and visual artist living in Durham, North Carolina. A graduate of Syracuse University's VPA program, he strives to use still images and video in non-traditional ways. He is a past staff photographer for the independent weekly newspaper and is a co-conspirator at Shadowbox Studio. He has created projection design for theater, dance, and visual art. As a recording engineer, he has produced the 32-voice taping of This Is Not a Novel for Little Green Pig Theatrical Concern, as well as currently engineering the Artist Soapbox podcast and the audio drama Master Builder. When not running around with a camera, he restores and rides vintage motorcycles and scooters. Check out the show notes for links to Shadowbox Studio and to Jim and Alex's individual websites. You'll also see a link to Courtesy Call, the short Super 8 film that Jim and Alex worked together on way back in 1997. Enjoy the episode. Alex and Jim, 
Thank you so much for being in your studio today. This is weird. <laughs> this is very, very weird, yes. We are recording with the two proprietors of Shadowbox Studio inside of Shadowbox Studio. And I'm very grateful for all of the recording that we have done here as Artist Soapbox podcast. So first off, I want to thank you for that. And sure. then secondly, I want to just say that this is a great opportunity for me to have a conversation with you and learn more about this place <laughs> that I've wandered through and many other people in Durham have. And, and maybe Jim and I will find out some things ourselves. That's right. This is how we learn about each other, right? <laughs> yes. We have a podcast conversation. So That's right. <laughs> let's. we're going to talk about you individually and then you as partners and then you as business owners. Let's start by talking about you individually. Uh, when... Did you start making art in Durham, and what is the work that you do? Who would like to go first? Talking, talking to me? Yeah, Alex. <laughs> Let's start with you, Alex. Uh, all righty then. So my background is photography, though I do a ton of other stuff, but that's that's where I come from officially. I started making art in Durham, quote-unquote, when I uh, was hired as the staff photographer for the Independent Weekly back in, gosh, 1999, I guess. Shortly thereafter, moved to Durham, gratefully from uh, from Raleigh. I was looking for for any, any any excuse, just because it seemed like such fertile ground here. It really seemed like great opportunities, and the and the community was really really awesome. I uh, and and honestly was was really quite spoiled um, having that job at that time um, because it was it was really really ripe for interesting stuff. I was able to get out. Meet the community, all different types and shapes and of, of people and places, and really uh, got to be a part of it, which was very cool. Oh, yes, and also it was published every week, which was really, really cool. Very uh, rare and amazing opportunity. That's what that was. What, do, you want the, do you want the full history? Or, well, you know, how, has your, work, you how has your work uh, changed <laughs> since then? Uh, I it has evolved. It has evolved a lot. I sh I still shoot um, still stills, still images, but have picked up video filmmaking in the last you know decade or so. I've, I've started doing theater and and tech theater, uh, which has been really 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 fantastic. Specifically, uh, as a as a projection designer for theater. Which has then, you know, more recently evolved into, you know, projection design, et cetera, for uh, for dance productions. So there's all kinds of stuff, and also Jim and I have collaborated on a number of video projects, filmmaking projects, that have been really, really, really fantastic. You know, bring bring back to my uh, my buddy Jim here. Uh, you know, he's been a he's been a great friend and a great collaborator. Oh, these long years. I guess I guess we just work well together. So that's so that's handy. Yeah. So Jim, how about you? When did you arrive on the Durham scene? Um, I moved here in early '97 with my then girlfriend, now wife, Joyce Mentimiglia. And weirdly enough, Alex was the very first person I met after moving to North Carolina. We met in the line <laughs> for the bathroom at the Rialto Theater. You're kidding me. No. True oh story. Oh, my gosh. True and story. Alex, being the chatty man that he is, just said, hey, hey, I just moved here last week. And I was like, <laughs> so did I. And we started talking, and we realized we live like a block apart from each other. Um, and he's like, I do photography. And I'm like, I I do films. And we just started hanging out. And, um, yeah, so it, <laughs> that was a very weird 
Very weird coincidence. And then Joyce and I moved to Durham, I guess, a year later in 98. Um, and that was very sad. <laughs> Not for long because then you moved. That's right. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're all like, dude, you got to come here. Um and no offense to Raleigh, but in, in 97, it was not the thing that it was, <laughs> that it is now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I moved to North Carolina really just kind of, just because I needed to get out of living in my hometown and knew some, uh, had one friend in Chapel Hill and had visited him a couple years earlier and just really liked, there was like a little independent film scene and Flickr and kind of a Super 8 community. So, and there were jobs. So just kind of took the leap. And then, yeah, so Alex and I, have been working together for over 20 years now. It's weird to say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, so what was the first project? Take me on this journey. So you met each other in the line and you thought, hey, these, you know, he's a nice guy. But then when did you start working together? How did that happen? Did we do a Super 8 thing together? Yeah, no, it was just, oh, it was in 97. Right. Yeah, 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 that's right. The short <laughs> short film called Courtesy Call um, that we shot largely in my kitchen and Alex lit it. Um, and it's just kind of rolled on from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what about the shadow box? So actually that Alex kind of was the so you you've had a couple iterations. I mean, you yeah, moved to Durham and then yeah. you moved away for a few years the and then you around a came bit. back. And so um when I when I came back to Durham in um oh my god, like 2008 or 9 or something. Fell back in with uh with old friends and new friends and had had a had a group of friends that um, had rented this uh, kooky space over on Washington Street, kind of just down ca- uh, Caddy Corner from the uh, from the old Durham ballpark, and uh, they were just like being ridiculous and and making art and doing silly stuff. Um, and having, uh, you know, weekends where they would have an installation or, or, a, or a night where they would put on a, a nutty play. And so, you know, of course, that was interesting to me. And so I started to hang out. And the more I hung out, the more, you know, it was like, well, why don't you just, I don't know. Hey, uh, could I have a corner uh, in the back so I could put some of my stuff in there and do some things and just sort of ingratiated myself. And so the longer I stayed, the more part of it, uh, a part of it I became. And then as that space evolved, and it <laughs> did evolve a bunch, members members would leave. And then when there was a little bit of, of room, I was like, ah, hey, Jim, psst, psst, you know, there's... There, there's a little bit of room if you want to if you want to come in and claim some space and you know work, work on projects and so uh, so kind of moved Jim in and then we elbowed everyone else out. That's not totally true, but it just sort it just sort sort of happened that 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 was that that was the thing that um, you know that we were sort of survived at the end and started using the space to uh, as as a, as a as a stage to to make make films um the i think the the major project that we did in there um was the uh, the uh, the culmination of the of the uh, the film that Jim was directing Jim's mastermind film uh, when Walt when Whitman was a little girl a big chunk of that was filmed in that in that old shadowbox space yeah and the so it eventually came, there was sort of four of us left in this space and somehow we were just kind of talking about it and we came up with the name Shadowbox and and Little Green Pig did a couple productions in there, um, which you had experience with. Yes, um, I was in at least two that I can think of there, yeah. Yeah. It's a great space. And it's, um, it, it's kind of the, you know, kind of the very tail end of the like old Durham, I would say, and when s- space was still oh, yes. available and cheap. 
I don't know, something about, I feel like you always had workspaces, like you had a studio in Raleigh and yeah, that's something yeah. I never had. And it was, It's nice to have a little corner where you can carve out, carve out a little bit of space and, you know, again, photo photography, it's nice to have a little studio. It's uh, not just a place to put your junk, but a place where you can set up for a portrait or a little still life or... Or do a thing, you know, or at the very least get out of your house. Leave um, your gear there. <laughs> so it's not in your living room or or whatever. And then, uh, so that space lasted for a while. We tried to kind of upfit it a bit. We we explored all that and hired an architect and thought, oh, it won't take $100,000 to upfit a building. That's crazy. We can or just do it on it. the cheap. Yeah. And then we were quickly disabused of that notion. So um, the landlord at that point was ready to develop it and- you know, rent was going up, so we unfortunately had to abandon that space. But for so the we, best, in a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we were we we're out in the wilderness for about a year until we could stand it no longer. Though we uh, we we hunted around and hunted around and scratched our heads about it, you know, and then wound up with uh, the space that we have now, which is um, actually really kind of great. It's uh, for those of you that have not been. To the Shadowbox, it is here in uh, an ample storage world off of uh, East Club Boulevard. And I think when, when we tell people that it is that it is at ample storage or whatever, they're sort of expecting the old sort of traditional uh, roll-up door model, right. <laughs> you know, where you put all the crap from your apartment when you move or whatever. And a big part of it is that, but, the, but, the, but there is a strip of storefronts we discovered where the front half is business and the back half is, well, maybe back half is, you know, we're, we're, maybe it's business of the front and party in the back. Um, but, uh, but, the, but the back two-thirds of the building is big open industrial space with a big roll-up door in the back, and it is absolutely perfect for a photography studio. But also we just discovered and realized we can do tons of other stuff back there too, which we do. You yeah. Know, so let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we the thing we've realized we can't really do here is theater, um, other than really kind of simple productions. We don't have a lighting grid. We don't have that kind of stuff. But we have everything. We've had everything from you know concerts to union meetings to. 50th birthday parties. Yeah, I think yeah. because of our demographic, we've had like four or five <laughs> 50th birthday parties here over the last right, right. couple of years. It, it's the spot. It's yeah, a spot. Yeah. Uh, uh, a few children's parties. Um, but um, but we have a, um, a film series that uh, our um, friend Stephen Conrad uh, puts together. and uh, Movie Loft. And movie Loft. Dun, dun, dun. Every, every month. And that's a whole hell of a lot of fun, too. Um, show films, Stephen DJs uh, curates a, a, a great a, a great uh, evening of film for everybody, and we grill hot dogs, which is very fun and totally silly. And uh, I've actually gotten a gotten a pretty good following of of uh, people that enjoy that sort of entertainment. <laughs> so you mentioned having a space to keep your gear, and you have acquired quite a bit of gear over the last couple of years, and it is really nice to have a place to house that. But what else is a pro about having a location? How did how has it affected the work that you have produced? It's just really nice to, when, when someone comes to you and says, I want to make a video about X, always the most difficult part is, well, where the hell do you shoot it? Someplace that is quiet, or you don't have to unplug the refrigerator, or... Um, there isn't, you know, there's space enough to do things. So 
um, we found that that's that's really helpful just to literally have a decent size space with an air conditioner yeah and a toilet that <laughs> yes, works bathrooms <laughs> key parking oh yeah important. parking all that stuff i mean yeah. it's it's it, it is it is legit which is kind of great you know and you have a green screen and what is that big white wall called uh, a cyclorama okay a psych, a psych wall you know a big infinity wall for uh, for I mean, I built it for photography, but it's great for video. You know, it's just a great, uh, clean, white space that you can shoot against. And, and it's got a curve in it, so you don't see a little line where the wall meets the floor. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just something that, and I didn't even, I'd never used one of those before you had yeah, yeah. built that and realized like, oh, if you look at any fashion photography or anything, they're on, you know, you want to emphasize the person and the clothes, not the... Like, oh, there's a yeah. wall where there's a line there where the wall meets the floor. So just little stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's a nice, you know, it's it, it's funny because it's, it's in a way the exact opposite from uh, Shadowbox 1.0, which was a big, rough kind of industrial space, which is really kind of cool if you want to do that. And oftentimes you really kind of want that. But sometimes... Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's really awesome to have a clean space that doesn't have a bunch of filth and junk everywhere where you can where you can work and and um, you know bring clients quote unquote or your or your mother or whatever you know it's a, it's a, it's a good spot it's 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 been uh, it's been a good deal for us. Yeah, this past weekend we had a sh- three day shoot in here where folks were shooting a series of videos. There were medical researchers and they were shooting videos for cancer survivors um, and talking about how you can do exercises. So we had, you know, six or eight people from the the clients were here, four actors, three or four crew people, and there's enough space here and, you know, like you say, air conditioning and mm-hmm. <laughs> things that it's, it's just the sort of space where that all can happen. The downside, of course, is that we're in the middle of an industrial sort of park and there's trucks going in and out and, you know, so there's occasional problems that, you know, might have to redo a take because somebody's grinding metal outside. Um, <laughs> but luckily that's, you know, that's kept to a minimum. But it's also, I would say, affected the way that we price our space and how we deal with all of that. I mean, we try to keep things at a reasonable cost because I feel like our our business plan is basically like, well, if we had a job, um, and needed to shoot, say, an interview somewhere, What's how much is would I be willing to pay to not do it in my basement? You mm-hmm. know, because everyone, because that's, again, normally when you're doing video stuff, you're just sort of like, especially if you're a, a sole proprietor or whatever, um, those jobs generally don't pay a lot of money. So you have to be very careful about how, how much money you're putting out. So we've always kind of kept that in mind that, What's what's that magic point where it's worth it enough to come to a space that has all these amenities, but it might not be a hundred percent perfect, right. but it's ninety eight percent perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. If it, if it were a proper soundstage, it would it would be it would be much more expensive. Not not just for the consumer, but it it would be much more expensive for us to run. You know, we would need a completely different kind of space. So we're we're working with what we've got, and it's working out really nicely. I think. It sounds like you started out outfitting a space that you needed to make your work with the things that you wanted to have in order to make your work, you know, thrive, right? Mm-hmm. And then somewhere pretty rapidly after that, you realize that other people also need these things. 
and Mm -hmm. made it available to them to make their work. And then along the way, you've made adjustments to sort of up-level what you have to offer. Can you talk about what it has been like to open the space to other people in addition to just you? Because that happened really early on in this process, right? It was always part of the idea of it. Um, to have it uh, to have it open up, but and, and at the same time, you know, it made sense uh, economically, of course, because we're like, well, we could pay all the rent ourselves, but it would be really awesome if we didn't have to pay the rent. And there's that, but but really, I, you know, I think, and I think Jim would agree. I, I mean, I I really like sharing the space with the with the creative community. I mean, I think it's really pretty fantastic, and that is really kind of the raison d'etre, you know, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes if the money gets tight or if, you know, somebody comes in and shoots a music video and they've thrown a bunch of glitter around, oh. <laughs> they that, come in and get... That we still find six <laughs> months later. <laughs> oh my God. Glitter. Is that in the contract now? It, it, no, no glitter. It, 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 and it will and be we just learned about Silly whatever. String too. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, we thought we, we thought we were in the clear until until Silly String happened. <laughs> you know, but but stuff like that is 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 you know is is really pretty infrequent. And um, you know the, I mean, really everyone that comes in here is very cool and very grateful and super excited to shoot in here. I'm more than happy to come in and if 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 I've got time to, you know, help people rig up their shoot and help them light it and, and, um, you know, kind of work with them a little bit, you know, often more, if that's necessary, you know, sometimes they're just, you know, they just need space and go, but, uh, but it's, but it's a cool thing to share and it's a cool thing to help, you know, not just up and coming shooters, but people who are established as well. Uh, cause this doesn't exist anywhere else in town or, or kind of not really, or, or not on this, you know, not on this, not on this level. You know, and a nice space that's this inexpensive just doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't happen, you know. I feel like we're both super conscious of what it's like in Durham and the changes that have happened. And, you know, having gone through the, again, that phase of like, there's all kinds of space everywhere. You can put on plays, you can rent Mm -hmm. your own place. As that has dried up, I think we've, we've. I don't know what I would do if this place didn't exist. I would be sad. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in terms of our own work, but also the, I feel like in a way, maybe we're trying to hold on to that little campfire of, you know, here's a little space where people can get together and we won't charge you $8 for a beer and right. all that. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of monetizing. Wow. <laughs> There's your million dollar idea. We need right. a shadow box beer. <laughs> All you five thousand breweries out there, let's talk. That's that's right. That's I mean, right. this is the place to do that because you could find you could throw a stone, hit a brewery, and then have some sort of partnership, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would shadow box beer taste like? I wonder. <laughs> Light. Durham grit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Gritty. Glitter. No, no glitter. <laughs> yeah. So what is it like to run a business with somebody else? You guys have had a long friendship, and then you've also worked together as artists, but business is like a different thing. So how has that evolved, or how did it happen? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, again, that's that's an ongoing project that we're still figuring out. And by and large, it's, you know, 100% great. But like any relationship, (laughs) you know, there's rocky points, and it's all about communication. Absolutely. And we've, we've had to learn the hard way. You know, like everybody, like, oh, I thought, oh. Uh, weren't weren't uh, you going to, uh, uh. 
Um, I thought you paid rent. Actually, we, I actually, I, 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 and I have to give credit where credit is due. Jim is is the responsible one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for publicly admitting that. Wow. <laughs> I know we got it. Tamara, this. I'm is trying what so hard. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> but we, but we have figured out a pretty decent division of labor. I, th- I think that's that that's really kind of the thing. I mean, there's there's stuff that Jim is great at that I'm terrible at, and vice versa. You know, and we, and we kind of split the duties of of like, you know, when the inquiries come in through the email and 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 dealing with the billing and who gets to go and meet the nice person with the key and you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think we 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 split that split that up pretty pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's being generous to say that we're accidental business people. You know, I mean, we we literally just sort of fell into this. We have this space. And it was that, that, you know, okay, so we can, you know, and now when you sort of read things that the advice to small business, it's always like, well, it's going to take at least three years to become profitable. I remember reading that Mm -hmm. and thinking like, oh, no way. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like. I'd say we're we're still not in danger of being profitable at this point, but <laughs> yeah. um, it pays for itself, right. which I feel like is a huge accomplishment. Which and is that's... really kind of all we want. I'm not trying to make a big bank over here, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's percol- percolating along quite comfortably. You know, we um, we 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 finally uh, picked up an accountant, which is awesome, and and like. That that pay your taxes, kids. Pay, that's that's right. my advice. Yeah, yeah. Pay your taxes, um, and that 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 helped a lot. Um, but then it was like, wow. Well, well, we have to actually pay for pay for this nice woman's services, and so you know we've had incremental uh, bumps in our um, uh, in our fee uh, structure, but but still, it's 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 so completely affordable. I mean, yeah, we're just really kind of figuring out this lemonade stand as we go. Yeah, and it's when it's been all right. And I feel super lucky, too, because, you know, we have had a couple of points where we've not with this space, but where we were when we were looking for spaces and we went through the kind of doing the math of like, what would it take to upfit a raw space? We almost went into one, but didn't. And I feel like that was super lucky, too, because I'm not sure that would have been a really good business decision. And we weren't we had no training. We had no (laughs) sort of, you know, realization of what a bad situation that would have been for us. So I feel like the the lessons we've come out of it with are, you know, probably just classic things that they one learns in business school, which is like keep your overhead low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't spend a lot if on things, especially right away. Yeah. Kind of if you have time, like let the thing grow organically. Mm-hmm. At yep. least that's that's worked for us and and we need to probably have more visioning and stuff amongst ourselves, but that's something that we talk about, which is, you know, we don't do a ton of marketing and pushing and trying to generate new business. We've been fortunate enough that people talk to each other, artists, right. photographers, filmmakers. They say like, you know, so we get tons of referrals that way. Again, that's been pretty great. We've we've done a little development, but I'd say it's not a it's not a huge focus at this point. I'm at the point now where I'm kind of shifting my work life and becoming more of a freelancer. I was working a kind of a half-time job as well. So that might start opening that up a little bit more. I think it would take it would take a sort of a greater commitment from both of us to say like, okay, we need to be here every day or we need to you know, kind of make more of a commitment to developing the business and is that something we really want to do or mm-hmm. not? So 
an, an, an ongoing, an ongoing uh, conversation. And it's also a question of the proportion of your time that you want to be spending as a, as a business owner sure. versus the, the, how much you want to be spending making the art. And I think that for a lot of people who decide to open a theater company with a space, that question starts to burn really quickly. Because, That's the tension. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, man, you know, I can't actually make the theater because I'm maintaining this space and I'm greeting the people and cleaning the bathrooms and, yeah. you know, doing all of those sorts of things. And it sounds like right now the balance, or at least for the past while, the balance has been pretty good for you guys so that you're not overwhelmed with the actual owning and maintaining of the space. You can do some other work as well. Yeah. Again, that's that's the beauty of landing in this in the physical space where we are because everything is is pretty dialed in. We just bring in our stuff, you know. And if uh, and it if, was a new building when we moved in, it was a brand down. new building, mm-hmm. and we were the first tenants in here, and so that was really cool. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. How and long have you been here now? It'll be five years in November. Oh actually. wow! So okay. it's fall of fourteen. Oh, I think what? a party is in order. <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. Break a bottle of champagne over the yeah. corner of the building, or something. and and it seems like it has. There has been an uptick in the usage of the space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just sort of, sort of, you know, sort of caught on. I also feel super fortunate to have started a business in this technological moment because, I mean, we do all our billing through PayPal, and yes. we use Google calendars, and you know, a lot of that kind of businessy kind of stuff is super easy. And and since we use PayPal and have we can do things like, oh, show me the how much money we've generated this year as opposed to last year, and right. like things that we we would have no right. we would have no records right. uh, if we hadn't done that. This all makes me think, though, about I don't know the whole sort of condition of Durham and arts and space and all of that, and it really has just sort of struck me in the last couple months that you know these words of like space is now the business to be in mm-hmm. in Durham. Since Man Bites Dog closed and Common Ground closed, you know, and we know lots of folks from the theater community and we get a lot of inquiries from folks that want to do theater here, of course, and I feel like that's just, that's something that Durham as a whole needs to think about, especially downtown. You know, I don't I don't know the solution other than, you know, if anybody has space, <laughs> let uh, us know. Make it available. Right. But I, I almost feel like a few years ago, I edited a documentary film by Carol Thompson called The Rise and Fall of Liberty, but Liberty Warehouse um, and Walker Stone, who owned that in the 80s when he switched from being a tobacco auction house to a storage space, he very consciously made a decision. I mean, he was kind of rich in space. He had a huge building with a two-acre roof, and he very deliberately kind of made space for artists. And that's where Scrap Exchange and Liberty Arts and things like that started. And I almost feel like we need a campaign like that in downtown Durham now to say, like, literally make space for the arts. How do you do that? Or it will all go away. Well, make affordable space because I think there there always are conversations about, like, well, we'll, you know, we'll build this, but it costs this. And we can't afford those, you know, the, the triple dollar signs. Like, we can't. As, I'll speak for myself. As a local artist, I cannot afford that. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's making space available at a rate that is achievable for people with, you know, my kind of budget. And and mine. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's disappe- it, is, it has all but disappeared yeah. at this particular point. And I also think, though, that it's going to require an adjustment for the art makers 
because I think at least I came in with the expectation that things would not change and that space would always be available at, you know, a hundred bucks or free or forever, you know, because this is Durham, this is how we do things. And then it all disappeared and I got really mad and I didn't want to change the way that I made my work. And so I think the other part that we're Hmm. coming to terms with is we cannot make work in quite the same way. If you have a space here that I have access to, then I can't build, you know, a gigantic immovable set because it can't live here while you do other work. So maybe I need to work with some shadow puppets. Like maybe I need right. to change the way that I make my Evolve work. Evolve to survive. That's Evolve a great to survive. Point, because what you have, you have <laughs> chairs, you have bathrooms, you have air conditioning. You know, you have a big wide open space with high ceilings. So what can I do with what I actually have as opposed to being mad that I can't do what I want? And I think that is some, that's a growing edge for the certain kind of performing artists here in this town who really want it to be the way that it used to be. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just not. And I, I forgot that you, you did work in Liberty Warehouse back when it was. Oh, yeah. 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 That was one of the last shows that Cheryl and I did as Both Hands Theater. We did a um, – it was a site-specific piece that we wrote uh, for Liberty Warehouse called hmm. At Liberty. And it was amazing. It was an amazing space. It also <laughs> – we had to – we had to pause several of the shows and sometimes cancel because that rain on the tin on the metal roof. Oh wow! It sounded like you know can't, like gunshots, like and so they couldn't hear the actors and it was leaking. So we had buckets all over the stage and all of that. But it was so special to be in that place. Yeah, and, that's it's rough. It's raw. Yeah. It's that's what gives it its magic until yeah. you can't hear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was amazing to be there. We performed all down in there, um, not just at Liberty Warehouse, but a lot of those buildings and in downtown and at the Shadowbox 1.0. And you know, it was a. It was a different time, so. That's right. That's right. You know, but I uh, I have to hand it to um, Little Green Pig, for instance, who mm-hmm. um, has a has a show up now called Norway. Maybe it just ended this past weekend, but they did it out in parks. Right. Saw that sucker in a city park. You know, partly because that's where it makes sense to do that show. Also, where are they going to do it? You know? Right. Exactly. They're, yeah. they're evolving. Yeah. Right? And I, so you could... you develop the show <laughs> that you can do in a park. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's, I had a similar conversation with Renee with Seed Art Share. It's like, you know, they have to develop shows that can be in certain kinds of locations, regardless of what those locations are. That you know, the show has to be built in that way. And so I think that's that is our challenge. Um, moving forward, but to have space, to have a home for some number of hours where you know you can land is such a gift for artists. So you're not doing it in your basement. You're not schlepping your crap everywhere all the time. So so, somebody write a play that can live in a thousand square foot white box (laughs) and it'll be be perfect. Right, right. (laughs) Let's talk about what's next for Shadowbox. Oh, hmm. have you thought? Have Let's you thought talk about that. Have you yeah, about yeah, that's, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> no, we, you know, we we knock around. Uh, we we do knock around ideas from time to time, and it's either. Well, you know, if we moved into a larger space, what would that look like? What sort of opportunities would that afford us? You know, I mean, generally, it's like, well, this place is cool, but what if it was bigger? And then, what would that look like? How much bigger? And then, how much more expensive would that be? And then, what? What kind of stuff would we be able to bring in or not bring in? You know, how much more we have to charge? I mean, like pretty pretty basic stuff. But I think I think that we we definitely have our eyes on expansion. Just have to kind of a number one find a, the spot to do it, and then figure out how to do it. Yeah, I mean, 
like you've talked about with many arts entrepreneurs and businesses, you know, it takes a while to, of doing a business to figure out what it is sometimes. Mm. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we're, we're kind of getting to that point a little bit more. It's exciting to think about, you know, what, what could this be? Um, I'm also scared about, you know, sort of losing, because I feel like that's one of the lessons we've learned is, you know, not, not everything scales. Right. And again, yeah. it's all about the overhead and how, what's your demand and what are people willing to pay and all that good stuff. If we got so big that we had this fancy giant space, yeah, it would be a, a drag to alienate a certain segment of our clientele. I would sort of hate to do that. So maybe a challenge could be figuring out how to scale up so that we can still include everybody, you know. Something I've thought about for a long time, too, and have no idea how to pursue is that, you know, we have business incubators and American Underground is a prime example. Um, we don't really have arts incubators. And is that something that we could do mm -hmm. here? Is there some way that we could do a little more to commission work or you know, bring people in and let them use the space for a specific amount of time and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. We haven't, we have no specific plans about that. So if anybody's got a proposal, let us know. Well, there are different ways to scale, right? Because you can scale the space. You can also just scale the number of events without changing the space, mm -hmm. or you could expand your programming that you're talking about. And those are all different sort of methods of scaling. And then I don't know where the money comes in. That's like, <laughs> that's where the business person, we need to have a, a phone a friend, <laughs> our business person. But, Sounds like we need you as a business coach. Oh, Dan. yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's totally my jam because I'm making a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think it's interesting because we're, because we're so space focused, right? Because it feels so scarce right now that for me, when I think about scaling something, I think, well, it just needs to be more space, like bigger, you know, but maybe there are other ways to grow that would be just as meaningful Indeed. and impactful without overextending um, ourselves. Hmm. Think about that in terms of the work that I'm trying to do as well. So how can I, how can I grow in a way that is manageable? for me, as opposed to continuing to give in a way that becomes unsustainable for yeah. me, you know what I mean? Because you can throw your doors open, but at a certain point, is it, is it sustainable for you mm -hmm. is, is the question. And maybe one sort of point of hope is that I feel like we've, we've been able to prove that this model works. Right. And there's, you know, there's other spaces in town. There's the Reuse Arts District. Um, there's other spots. And I'm I'm always sort of wondering specifically about theater folks is like when are enough people going to sort of get together to get a space together? And is that, you know, is that viable at all? But, you know, we, we get a lot of requests here for, you know, just straight up rehearsal space. Mm -hmm. That's, I know, a huge, a huge need. And it's hard to pay for that. <laughs> at any sort of rate, yes. you know, for any theater company. But is there a way that, you know, many people could go to go in on a space? There's inherent problems with all of that, as we've learned, because mm -hmm. there's always got to be space parents right, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> are kind of taking care of everything and all that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm curious to see if anything like that will emerge. So as the space parents for this space, what makes a good client? What are some pro tips? If you're going to come into a space, even though you paid for it, how can you be the best guest? 
uh, leave the glitter at home. <laughs> um, just uh, tidy up after yourselves, you know. I mean, have 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 a good time, but do you know and and do your thing. Just just be respectful of uh, be respectful of our space. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, everyone everyone has has been a pretty a pretty good house guest for the for the most part. You know, I think the only the only stuff that kind of ruffles my feathers is when people don't. You know, there's they've come in and have had a party or something. You know, maybe it's hard to harder to to communicate that is that it is not a, not a spot for that. You know, come come in and do do serious work, please. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't destroy it. But yeah, no, I think I think we've been incredibly lucky with that. Like you say, it, it's easier to say what don't, don't <laughs> what you yeah. shouldn't do because those stick in the memory. But by and large, people are great. You know, show up on time, and we we sort of price things here and. Just because it's uh, kind of a norm in video production of a half day or a full day, so a half day is up to five hours, and a full day is up to ten or twelve. So that's the only other thing is you know somebody will rent for a half day and then just kind of hope that they can get away with doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the price differential between a half and a full is not that much. Not so a big I, deal. I think yeah. that offends us. Yeah. So pay you know, for a full like, day. Yeah. Also, just know what you know, and yeah. and sometimes oh, again. Sure. Yeah, since we've been in this video and photography game for a long time, we realize like, oh, you think it might only take five hours, but trust me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. If there's makeup and hair and blah and gear and all that stuff, it might it probably will take a lot longer than you think. Is that on your website? I feel like that is so because <laughs> I, things always take longer than we think, and it's just like magical thinking that goes on with this type of. Oh, yeah. I'll speak for myself. I mean, it just happened because I recorded um, the Master Builder audio drama here, and I thought, oh, it'll take four hours. It actually took five hours, and I wish I'd had six. And it, and oh, that yeah. didn't even include the setup time oh, yeah. uh, as well. And so I feel like <sighs> There's a people lot of need to be parts. cautioned. People need to be cautioned about this. Like, always plan more time. Well, maybe that'll be a tab on the website. It'll right. be the pro tips. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially if it's something you haven't. You haven't done, done it before. before, right? Yeah, I right. feel like I'm for for myself, and that's you know that's something very cool about pushing yourself. But I'm always, I think, I err on the side of like this is going to take three days. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. might only take four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know as we wrap up, what is next for you individually? What are you? Because because I would like to have you as individuals on this podcast moving forward. But since I have you here right now, let's talk about that. Whoa. You go first. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm going out uh, to be mostly freelance. I'm still I did uh, I'm an adjunct instructor at Duke in the film department. So I'll teach one course per semester there. I do some teaching at the Center for Documentary Studies as well. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to be a freelance video editor. I was telling Tamara before the podcast the last time I went 100% freelance was six months before 9-11, so <laughs> I'm a little worried uh, looking at our current economic situation. Uh, so hope, hopefully for all our sakes, uh, we, we well. shall hold on. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a couple projects, one with Ellen Hemphill and uh, Archipelago Theater, a film called The Reckoning um, that Tamara is in and one of the stars of. Um, so we're we're... We, I think we can see the finish line on that one. <laughs> We're Whoa. getting there. Ellen's already thinking about her next production a couple years down the line, so we're we're talking about that as well. 
and hanging out and yeah. kind of what whatever happens to Shadowbox, I guess. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm excited about working on this space, you know, and, and dev- devoting time to working on this space with Jim and just really kind of figuring out what to do with it and and dialing it in. I mean, we're always you know constantly polishing this thing, mm-hmm. um, so I'm excited to continuing to devote time to it. And otherwise, you know, the great but sort of terrible thing about me is that I love to do everything. I have all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I have a uh, hundred different irons in the fire. But um, but I'm I'm excited about devo- developing the uh, projection design angle of uh, of what I'm doing for theater and for dance. That's that's actually been been really really cool. I've got a I've got a a um, potential dance project on the horizon. I'm starting to have uh, starting to have meetings about that for um, ADF this summer. Hopefully, that's going to turn into something cool. Also, a projection design sort of consulting on a projection design project for um, for a fellow photographer who's got a a piece that's going to go up at the High Museum in Atlanta. We're kind of talking about how to visualize or uh, how to how to actualize his still photographs as as um, video projections, and that's that's kind of an interesting thing to chew on. See, projection design, that is a great element that could be added to theater that is more portable than actually building yes, a set, that's right. right? So so that could be an up-and-coming <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll income see. stream for you, even more than it already is. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how much of an income stream it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really fun. Maybe I mean, from I, a stream to a river, No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I still do a ton of uh, still photography. I mean, that's, that is my bread and butter. That's, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what pays the rent. And I, and I still absolutely love to do it. Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about before we wrap up? Talk about what a what a cool dude Jim Havercamp is. What a handsome guy. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> no, nah, I think you got it. All right. Cool. Thanks, Jammer. Well, I'm so grateful for the conversation and the fact that you are partners because I imagine doing this as a as a single person would be much harder. And the fact that you have found somebody to make it possible um, to, to have the space and have your lives and have your art, um, I'm grateful for that too. So yeah, yeah, uh, I'm I'm grateful for this partnership. I'm grateful for absolutely because this is this is awesome. This has really been great. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, friends. I want to tell you about Shadowbox Studio, where this episode was recorded. Shadowbox Studio is Durham's flexible, rentable art and activity space. Shadowbox is perfect for video and photo shoots, recording podcasts like this one, and holding movie screenings, classes, spy club meetings, or whatever else you can dream up. Find out more at shadowboxstudio.org. And here's a secret. If you tell them you heard it on Artist Soapbox, you'll get a $25 discount on your first rental. Isn't that awesome?